0: For years, BreweryDB has been the industry's only professionally curated source of brewery knowledge and responsible for mapping millions of visits to breweries all across the United States. In early 2021, BreweryDB revealed a whole new platform with all new features for craft lovers to plan their unique brewery experience. Find, filter, search, and route your way to breweries worldwide and in your own neighborhood. To take full advantage of the optimized power of BreweryDB and to increase your brew knowledge, visit BreweryDB.com, your digital destination for brewery experiences. Good Beer Matters shares the stories of craft and culture found in every glass, and I'm excited to announce that the Good Beer Matters podcast and BreweryDB are collaborating this year to help you get to the bottom of it. Visit us at brewerydb.com and goodbeermatters.net to finally have the experience you've been missing. My name is Jeremy, and this is Good Beer Matters.
1: I was in an industry that was predominantly male and I felt that I wanted to be the most credible person in the room.
2: You do such a good job of convincing yourself that you need to go have a drink or need a glass of wine to wind down. I'm going to totally stop
1: for 90 days because i never made it that long. And by the end of the 90th day, I looked like I could be my own daughter.
0: If you're listening to this, you probably really love beer, but beer isn't always sunshine and roses. I think it's time for those of us in the industry to acknowledge the dark side of alcohol. Maybe we've fallen victim to the romance of drunken parties and creative hangovers, but in the end of it all, we have to face ourselves in the mirror after a binge. Even worse, we have to face our families, coworkers, and the world. In this edition of Beyond the Beer Stories, my two guests give us a sober look at alcohol in the beer industry. I've studied, traveled, and tasted my way through some of the best beer the world has to offer. Over the past few years, I've also spoken to beer industry leaders from around the globe. And one thing is certain, the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. There's a story of craft and culture found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 111 of Good Beer Matters with Spencer Plussell and Certified Cicerone, Megan Anderson. Well, for all of you listening to this podcast, um, I have to to give you a little bit of disclosure, a little bit of uh, heads up. This is a topic that... It's not uncomfortable, but it is a real and a raw conversation that I have been thinking about, honestly, for years and have been wanting to do uh, a podcast of this nature for a very, very long time. But I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it um from the standpoint of just being uh, open, being sensitive, and just discussing that, hey, we work in the beer business. There are times when uh, I certainly uh, will start doing an inventory of how many I've had uh, the previous day and realize, oh goodness, I didn't realize I had that much. Um, You know, and these are things that occur when you work in beer. So let's talk about uh, how, how to deal with overconsumption and being honest uh, about it and what to do about it. And so that's why I brought in two of my very special guests, had a great conversation mm-hmm. with them at the previous CBC uh, in 22, was uh, 22 that were doing this, um, but uh, Spencer and Megan, thank you so much for coming on to the Good Beer Matters podcast. Thank you so much for opening up and talking about uh, this topic and your, and your choices, uh, especially still working in the beer industry. I think it's uh, a perfect, perfect uh, people to come onto the podcast and talk about this. So welcome. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
2: Yeah. Cheers. Great to be here.
0: Um, So Megan, I'm going to ask you first, uh, will you please introduce yourself and tell us about uh, what you do in the beer biz?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks again, Jeremy, for for having us and to everyone listening today. I'm so grateful. I've learned tons from these podcasts over the years. Um, my name is Megan Anderson. I have spent about 17 years uh, in and around the craft beer space um, and majority of my career in the CPG industry. So I, uh, I cut my teeth in, in craft beer with Samuel Adams. I was there from 2007 to 2016. Did a variety of roles with them in the commercial space. So I spent a lot of time in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Growing the growing the brand there, launching brands like Angry Orchard, expanding brands like Twisted Tea, and working for just with and with and for some of the greatest um, folks in the industry that I'm sure many of you are aware of. From there, I went on uh, into a training role with him. I led beer education for the United States and built a team. We trained um, just over 7,000 people in that role in two years about beer and brewing. And uh, along that journey, uh, I had was consuming a lot of beer every day and, uh, and really loving it. I'm a certified Cicerone. I led certified Cicerone training uh, programs in conjunction with uh, some other experienced trainers at Boston Beer. We had more certified Cicerones, I believe, than any other brewery in the United States at the time. And uh, we wanted to expand that into retail and distribution. So naturally, my, my role got really exciting. I was <clears throat> essentially getting paid to drive, you know fly around the country and teach people about beer and and try beer. And uh, as a result of that, as many people could imagine that have been in the space for a while, I started to notice that uh, from a health and well-being perspective, I wanted to make some improvements. And uh, over the course of those seventeen years tried to moderate my alcohol consumption significantly and had significant challenges in being able to do so. So for me, ultimately, I landed uh, right before the pandemic in uh, December of 2019. I opted in to uh, start drinking non-alcoholic beer and non-alcoholic beverages in lieu of those with alcohol uh, as an ingredient. And uh, September 26th will be 1,000 days since I've had a beer with alcohol in it. And since then, I've had hundreds of amazing Non-alcoholic beer. So I'm I'm honored to be here today, and would consider myself somewhat as a tried and true uh, subject matter expert in non-alcoholic beer, only because I had nothing else to do the last thousand days. So, well, and that's definitely uh, a topic we're yeah.
0: going to dive into because that I'm yep. the the state of mm-hmm. uh, NA beer in this day and age is so much better than when I first started being interested in beer. But uh, Spencer, uh, same question for you. Who are you, and what do you do in the beer world?
2: Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Spencer Plussel. Um, Currently, I'm an independent marketing and creative consultant. So I work on tons of different brands in all different industries. But my stint in the beer industry, craft beer and brewing industry, started in 2006 uh, as a graphic designer for a beer distributor in the you know the motherland of beer and cheese in Wisconsin. Um, and so it was a Miller line and and Coogles distributor. So graphic designer there for a while. Then eventually graduated college, got a, um, a sales route. I was a merchandiser for a while then had my own sales route I moved to the twin cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul in Minnesota. And I was looking to be at the point of conception. So I worked at a a small production facility uh, called lucid brewing company at the time. And I was, you know, just working on the weekends, uh, filling growlers and being a tour guide on Friday nights. And then eventually that transitioned into being a marketing communications director at a local craft brewery in Minneapolis uh downtown called inbound Bruco. and i was there for about five years and did that um it's right next to target field like about a block and a half from where the twins play baseball and uh so did that for about five years or so and then inside and outside of independent work i came to know actually megan anderson who introduced me to nz hops limited out of new zealand and uh that our our journey has uh continued for just over a year now in that game as a north american team that was built here by megan uh to you know facilitate hops and growth from some of the best producing you know terroir in the world down in new zealand so been uh focusing on their content digital, digital strategy with a couple other north american team members here and then my journey that we can obviously get into as we go into it but you know being alcohol free or going into that journey was just after so many years of you know really really became the hangover for me (laughs) which there's a lot of different perspectives but you know we'll kind of go into that as we as we can keep going along
0: yeah and a little credit where it's due um i connected with you guys originally uh for a, a previous podcast Talking about uh, uh, NZ Hops, or as you guys say, NZ Hops, or as they say, NZ Hops, um, with uh, Lauren Yap, and that was a great story. Um, Thank you so much for hooking me up with her. It was just – she was a perfect person to talk to with uh, her background and everything. So um, that's my my shameless plug for that episode in NZ Hops. But a little – a funny little thing happens as it tends to do when you're talking with beer people and, and you're getting beyond the sales and getting beyond the stuff. I mean, you you know, that's a, one of the beautiful things about having a beer with alcohol is you start having really good conversations with people. And that's how Spencer and I started talking. And, and he said that he's, he hasn't consumed alcohol in a while and that Megan, you know, kind of the same way. And, and I kind of told him, well, God, I've been wanting to do this story for a long time. Um, And so here we are talking about the story. But before we dive into the decisions of what you made, I want to flesh out uh, anyone who listens to this, anyone who's spent any time in the beer industry probably has plenty of stories. But this is really for... You know, there's always going to be new people entering the beer industry, and so this is just kind of a primer for what to expect. But I want to hear from you guys. Um, I'll kick it off. You know, we go to conferences, you know, I go to beer competitions, and there is plenty of really good and really free beer to drink as much as you want wherever you are, and uh. And if you like beer and if you like the beer industry, it's a good time until it's not a good time anymore. Um, uh, but, you know, working in the industry, you know, having a beer for lunch is normal. I can't think of any – well, any any industry outside of the alcohol industry, you don't have drinks for a, a working lunch. But here it's totally normal and acceptable. And I usually look for lower ABV because I need to be productive and I don't want to take a nap. But uh, But beer – is plentiful and it's free. So what are some of the stories that you guys, Spencer, I'll ask you to go first this time. What are some of the, the stories that you have witnessed that kind of show that, you know, overconsumption can overtake someone in this biz?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, some of my, you know, biggest stories have been just like Exactly what you said. It's going to conferences and I. It, it's not even just that, more so for me and, you know, my personal story, because everyone's is different. You know, even listening to Megan retell her days at, you know, Sam Adams and stuff like that in Boston Beer, I was, you know, at I, I was at a small 12,000 square foot brewery, you know, for five years. And I was actually at the point of conception all the time. You know, I went to the brewery. I was there when the guys and gals were brewing every morning every day cellaring you know canning kegging you know and as as in my position as the marketing communications director i'm you know capturing content so i'm in and around the canning line or the kegging line or you know you know brewing in the morning or you know what what have you there for events um in the tap room when there's you know a twins twins home game or something like that so i mean i can (laughs) you know all honesty on the table You know, on on my, 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 I mean, people drink a coffee in the morning, right? For their morning coffee drink. I would go down and I'd pour myself 16 ounce pint of nitro, nitro milk stout. And I'd put some cold pressed coffee in it. I'd drop a couple shots of cold pressed coffee in it. And that was every day because I was there and it tasted delicious. And I work in the beer industry. There was, there's just like this, this identity that you can get. So and it's with anything right? You can, you can attach yourself to any sort of uh, hobby. Um, anything can become a, a addictive uh, no matter what it is. So for me, like I said, personally, it was just an identity concept. I tied myself to what was not just alcohol and beer, but to the whole entire picture of what is the craft beer and brewing industry, because I also have the passion, not just for the alcohol piece itself, which is the piece that kind of Implodes or at least can over time, but to the humans, to the designs, to even to as small as like the can labels, right? Stuff like that. Um, to the ingredients, to the malt, to the I mean, like what I'm telling the story of, like, not been in the, I've been in the hop game for over a year now. That, that I'm not at the brewery every day, but I still have a love for a piece of what is inside of that. So you know, a lot of these stories is just being so close to it all the time. I'm gonna go, I harken back to my days as a craft beer sales rep. I had the second largest sales route in the Northern Indian head of uh, the state of Wisconsin at the age of 23. I was right out of college and I was, go. I went to school at UW Eau Claire in Northern Wisconsin, which is the backyard of Line and Kugels Brewing Company. Yep. And at the age of 23, I just got out of college. So what I do for the last five years or four years of my life, I was partying all the time. And now I have a full-time job as a sales rep. I partied just as hard in the evenings with my friends as I did during the day when I was driving around and, you know, going to different accounts during the day. I mean, I can physically remember there were accounts that I'd walk into. And as I walk into the back door, there's already cracking a Miller Lite and putting it down on the bar because we're going to talk shop and I'm going to drink a Miller Lite. Or pour me a tapper of Honeyvice or Summer Shandy or something, you know, drinking my product while I'm there and shooting the shit and, you know, essentially selling beer, taking inventory and figuring out what events are coming up and those types of things. So it's just, in a sense, all consuming no matter what and where it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, uh, actually, Megan, I'm just going to go straight to you. Tell us uh, some of your stories of just seeing what – I'm going to call it the dark side of the brewing industry. Human beings have used the power of storytelling for millennia. We use stories to educate, motivate, and inspire others to lead better lives. If you're a business in the beer industry, we can use the power of story to better serve your customers. At Mountain Sea Media, I help you tell your story and keep your brand on top of mind. Mountain Sea Media is your resource for engaging, multimedia beer content. Contact me at jeremy at to discuss your next project. After all, it's your story. I'll help you tell it. Mm. Yeah, I, I
1: think... For me personally, in my experience, I really thought it was really beautifully said by Spencer. I mean, ultimately for for me and I think for many people in the industry, it comes down to how you identify. And a lot of us at that level, you know, once you're kind of beyond your initial inaugural years in beer and you know a lager from an ale, it's about credibility. And maybe it could be more of like the female perspective, too. I was in an industry that was predominantly male, and I felt that I wanted to be the most credible person in the room, and that's how I would that's how I would get, become identified with being successful and, and be able to grow my career from there. I do find a lot of people you know, see it that way, and there's a way to responsibly handle consumption as it's associated with credibility, but it's also very hard to track. It's a very subjective and intimate personal experience when you consume alcohol, and let's be honest, it's not, there's no uh, handbook they give you on your first day at the job in the brewing industry that says, here's the bad things that can happen to you if you consume too much over time, here's the research. Yeah. That research isn't necessarily out there for people to make informed decisions. Instead, you start to form your own opinions about, well, for me personally, I can drink you know, five pints of beer and I'll be okay. And I think the fact that the reality is the research, the dark side to me was once I suf- began to suffer for many years uh, on my own right, because I couldn't figure out why moderation didn't work for me personally, um, and I, you know, that's different for every I know plenty of people that can moderate successfully, and it's really more about why do you make that decision. And for me, it was really clear in the research that even for a female consuming more, really more than one than a few, you know one full serving a day of beer is, has dramatic impact on your health. It actually adds zero health benefit in some cases. So it is important to moderate responsibly because alcohol isn't the enemy. It's plays it's played an important role in our history. And in moderate amounts, these other ingredients with ethanol as um, as a solvent, you know, you'll really be able to get some of those additional benefits like anti inflammatory aspects of hops. But there's a very fine line and how many of us all you know over consume when we eat french fries or cheeseburgers or anything like that. You know, it's very easy to take something that's innocent and fun to a level that isn't going to impact your health uh, in the best way. And the research was really clear. I saw it in myself in how I was aging and how I felt on a day-to-day basis. And to me, that was, that was the dark side. I had children and I, I no longer felt I was bringing my best self except to work because I was very credible because I was always drinking beer and talking about it. So for me, I think being able to peel back the layers to the onion, and I was really surprised at what I found from a health perspective that ultimately, you know, why do I feel anxious when I have a hangover, you know, and how does that affect yeah. me when I go to work the next day and I'm supposed to be teaching 100 people and I have anxiety and I'm not feeling really great. And then as I got into the research, I understood it didn't take that much alcohol uh, for me at my size and age to, you know, have an effect from that. And I was definitely consuming way more than what's recommended medically. And, you know, there's not necessarily a focus on that at your doctor's office. They kind of say, write down the amount of units of alcohol you drink. You give them a somewhat honest answer, depending (laughs) on who you are. And then they'll say, you probably need to cut that back. But the reality is it's much less than we think that's actually healthy. And you can totally go to, I still sample, right? That's something I'm still lucky, fortunate enough to be able to do. I can, I'm highly trained in sensory. I'm able to taste beer. Uh, on a bench top. I can do it at a sensory event. I just don't purchase it anymore. Because for me, I I was not able as a consumer to effectively moderate that amount. And I know that more more than what's in that glass, once I pass the halfway point, is no longer beneficial to me. So for me personally, once I was enlightened to that, and I said, all right, well, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to totally stop for 90 days, because I'd never made it that long. And by the end of the 90th day, I looked like I could be my own daughter. I lost 35 pounds. cut wow. my, my body. My body fat percentage went from over 33%, which is a borderline obese, to 17.5%, which is considered athletic and fit. My BMI went into the normal range. And these, you know, I think the, those types of feelings associated with the inner changes when you're not, you know, when when the anxiety went away, and I realized that ultimately for me it was because I couldn't moderate. And so I think that those are two fundamental things of like the dark side, if you will, is like, what is the reality? What is the research and science cells? We're scientists if we're brewers, right? We believe in the science or we wouldn't be here. Brewers are some of the best scientists in the world, in my opinion, and responsible for some of the greatest discoveries. Yet, sometimes we ignore the research, even as it applies to our own selves. And then, you know, beyond that, we don't really talk about moderation. Because it's subjective and it's different to everybody. So for me personally, I I watch not only myself struggle with that, but many other people now that I'm I'm really focused on living a zero-proof lifestyle because it has benefited me. And I want to make that available to people, even if it's not a permanent decision for them. Zero-proof lifestyle could be a weekend where I just want to, I know for me, I can't moderate and I'm going to be zero-proof and here's my options, here's my protocol or other people. And I have... Lots of conversations every week now that I've been doing this for a while. Of people that call and are like, "How do I do this for myself?" And that it really kind of comes back to the same things. Like I didn't realize I was damaging my health, and I didn't realize that I couldn't moderate. And there's a number of protocols you can offer for for anybody. So for if you're new in the industry and you don't know, there's a number of great resources out there that that you can get to to kind of break down to what is true and what do we know from a scientific perspective and make those make those uh, judgments for yourself, which I think is everybody is right in this industry to say like, oh, yeah, just this is my choice. This is what's healthy for me. And you could still have all the success, all the credibility without sacrificing any of your own personal health and well-being.
0: Well, I think there's a couple points there that I think are valuable. Um, one is, you know, th- this you know if you're one of those people where you get just a taste of alcohol you Im- immediately turn into frank the tank it, uh, you know th- that's that's a problem that needs to be addressed and dealt with properly that's not what this podcast episode is about this is this is about choosing moderation uh, and what moderation looks like to you and and frankly from my background in a past life, I spent time in a fire department, medical, and and uh, you know too much oxygen will give you oxygen toxicity and you can end up having seizures. Um, and so that's why if you're in the hospital on a ventilator, they don't have you on pure oxygen for 24 hours straight because you know, oxygen is bad for you at that point. Um, and I remember conversations about you even like, you know, this scenario came up in a conversation one day, but you know, even like a tanker of milk running down the road and it crashes and all the milk spills into a river that becomes a hazmat uh, situation and all the fish are going to die because, you know, but it's milk. I mean, milk, how benign is milk? And so really uh, we're talking about, um, there are things that when abused or overused or overconsumed, can be bad, but there's also some good to it. And we need to find that fine line, um, aspirin, um, uh, you know, Tylenol, same thing. We need to find the sweet spot, but, You know, I think a lot of us, and I'm certainly guilty of this, where I'm going to form a conclusion based upon what I want to be true. And then I'm going to go find evidence to support my conclusion and say, see, I was right. And whenever I hear in the news that alcohol is good for you, you should have one to two drinks a day, depending on your gender. And then alcohol is bad for you. We should never drink again. And it just it's like it's like watching a tennis match. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And here I am thinking, well, I know what's right for me. I'm gonna have another beer. <laughs> but do we really know? How do we really know and And Megan, you brought up of being more self- aware and paying closer attention to how the alcohol, whatever it may be, affects you. Um Spencer, do you have any thoughts on 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 this?
2: Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent Oh yeah,
0: lay it on me, brother.
2: <laughs> You you said how do we know? And it's not it's not going to work for everyone, but I I, I I bet it can work for 99% of people. Is you have to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. And what do I mean by that? I mean taking from my personal experience, I was on the end of the spectrum of social consumption, um, and there are people that are even further on that spectrum. Which is this podcast is not about, that are, you know, hiding bottles, doing those things, right? I was on the that social consumption. I'm out with friends, we're going to happy hour, we're going out on, on the weekends. I don't have a lot of responsibilities, you know, such as kids and all those types of things at the time that I was still consuming. And what I mean by going to the opposite end of the spectrum is what Megan and I are here talking about right now, is not consuming alcoholic beverages for an extended period of time. And for me. It, I played less of a numbers game, um, such as like, all right, I'm going to not drink, cause I've done it before. Like, I'm not gonna drink for like a week or two weeks and just try that and just see how I feel. Oh, I feel great, two weeks, all right. And then what do you do after a couple of
0: weeks? celebrate
2: you celebrate <laughs> you Congratulate yourself for doing a good job proving to yourself that you can do what it is you set out to do and then you consume yeah
0: it's like after right. after completing a month-long diet you have an entire cheesecake because you did an excellent job you did a great job why wouldn't you right so right. for me it, it
2: and there's there's two sides to this coin that i look at for my personal adventure here is the side that I was in, in consuming alcohol, being in the industry, fully encapsulated in the identity of craft beer and having conversations with the internal self that are, I don't know how I can not consume. How can I go to a wedding? This is outside of us in this beer industry and these people we might be talking to that are listening to this podcast. Like you might listen to this and you're not even in the beer industry at all, but you're like, man, I really wish I could cut back or... How do they do that? Well, I trust me, it's not as easy as it, it. Just because on, you know, February 24th of 2020, I went, quote unquote, cold turkey. Uh, I really didn't. It took days, weeks, months of convincing the self that you could not consume and still do all the same shit that you're doing in your life. And guess what? Even more than you are now Because you're so tied to how am I going to go to a wedding without drinking? I'll never be able to go to another bachelor party in my life because what is a bachelor party? Well, it's drinking all weekend long. I've been to many bachelor parties in the last two and a half years and didn't consume at them. Um, we don't have to go down those roads, but like it, it, and then, and then what it is on the opposite side of that coin I'm talking about is now that I'm on the opposite side of that coin for people that are listening to this from my perspective and everyone's journey is different and I can't wait to re-hear Megan's again, but it's like, for me, it actually is less about the elimination of alcohol because that's such a small, minute little piece. It was was less about the elimination of alcohol and it was more and has been more about the addition of all these other things I've been able to do in my life Mm -hmm. that I wasn't doing and maybe had wanted to do while I was still consuming at a rate at which I was. I was a light switch consumer. I was all in when It could be Tuesday night and Spencer and Jeremy and Megan are meeting up for happy hour at a new brewery because they just launched a really good beer and it's Oktoberfest or something. And we're out on a Tuesday. It doesn't matter about Wednesday because I'm on Tuesday.
0: Yeah. And
2: Tuesday is the three of us are out and we're having a good time. And I'm eight beers deep and it's 6.30 and, as the current example, you two are like, well, "We got to get home to the kids. And I'm like, yo, dog, I ain't got kids. So I'm mm-hmm. out until midnight. And then when I get home, I got craft beer because I was a home brewer. I got two taps in my kegerator and I'm already well and tuned up. So why not have a fresh one when I get home? So on the opposite side of that, it's like, think about all the times that you were hungover. Mm-hmm. And all the things that you wanted to do the next day, and then you were hungover and then didn't do half that shit, right? You're like, oh, I wish I could do that. Pro- I want to do that project. I want to do all this stuff, right? I want to do whatever it was. doesn't matter. Take the kids out for a hike. I don't care. You ain't going hiking tomorrow when you had, you know, seven to 10 beers and you feel like trash the next day. Not if
0: I have anything to do about it.
2: Right? Exactly. And there's, yeah. So I'm just, the perspective of, I have done personally so many more things in the last 24 plus months of my life than I ever did before because all I did was eliminate this tiny little thing called alcohol from my life, which was, which is at the time, so very much of my life. So it's kind of an interesting
0: position to yeah. think
2: about and live inside of.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, I think about my journey, the goals that I had to, to do the things that I've done in beer. You know, I think about studying for the BJCP and continuing to study the styles. You you have to get those beers. You have to taste them. If they taste bad and they're horribly oxidized and, and have seen better days, then, you know, you dump it and move on. But if they're, Ooh, that was a good one. Ooh, I just, I want another taste. I want another taste. Um, all the beers I had to study whilst, you know, preparing for advanced Cicerone and And all that time spent, not only time away doing these other things that I like to do, but all the time spent tasting and training. And Megan, you brought up sensory and just really fine-tuning the sensory. Um, But now, you know, you get to a point where, you know, we go to a wedding and they're like, hey, there's the beer guy. There's the beer gal. Here, try one of these. What do you think of that? And, and, And honestly, sometimes the beers are just so good, the flavor. And, and and I've always preached quality over quantity, but sometimes quantity happens uh, when you're not paying that close attention and when you're distracted. and and there are times when the beer just tastes so good, you've invested so much time down this path and it just tastes so good. It's hard to say, I, I, I'm good. you know, it, it's like you fix yourself a bowl of ice cream, but you just need one more scoop, you know it, it's it's hard to say, now I, I tasted it, I've done what I need to do uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. What advice do you have for those people who are still going to drink, who are still actively drinking but they get to that point where you're like I really should stop but I don't want to. It tastes so good. What's your advice for those folks?
1: Yeah, I, <clears throat> that's a really great question um, and I appreciate that because I, you everyone here has been alluding to kind of the same thing, which is what is your inner awareness? and one of the things that what happens to us when we consume too much is we we sort of lose we, you know we lose some of that which is one of the benefits of drinking alcohol right is you become a little looser and you become a little bit more uninhibited but the reality of that situation is and something i would tell that i tell people now is when you think you might you know you you might want to stop but you really want to have another one is take that moment of inner awareness and if you have knowledge to remind yourself what happens past this point to your, to your body. Is it, a, is it a good decision? Because I know once I go beyond this point, A, B, C, and D physiologically begin to happen to me. And It's not your own fault. That's that's just, It's I think at the end of the day, one of the misconceptions, especially in American culture, because this is not a European thing. In Europe, in Germany, People will sit in a beer garden all day and rotate between alcoholic beer and non-alcoholic beer because their technology is good and they haven't stigmatized it. And here, you could, most places don't even offer non-alcoholic beer. You either get to drink that or you get nothing. You get a soda or a Diet Coke or a water or a lemonade, like a child, which I think is the biggest missed consumer opportunity, whether you're in the industry or not, have these things on your menu because it's an upsell, because it gives that person in that moment of self-awareness not to trade down, not to feel like they're sacrificing. So to your point, if you're if it's an ice cream analogy, you know, maybe you go grab a frozen banana if you still want the next thing. You know, yep. it's like it's a it, you're still getting you're still getting the experience you're still getting something that's going to be in those lines of satiating but you know that beyond one thing what happens to your blood sugar what's happening to your organs you know i think it's good to to remind yourself that then it's a conscious choice that lies in awareness that's like if this is in my awareness now and it used to not be but now i know if i have more than two I'm probably you know, for me personally, I'm experiencing some some issues the next day yeah. as a result of the disruption.
0: and that's and that's super genius. and and Spencer, before I go back to you, I, I do want to add there are times when when my sweet tooth is kicking in and I want to have a big old bowl of ice cream. Um, and my wife gives me that look of like you really don't need more ice cream there fatto, you know um, that's where uh, I <laughs> will go and just grab like six chocolate chips. And, you know, and frankly, it's like that satiates my sweet tooth. I feel like I had dessert, but I'm not having all the calories. And one of the things I will, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to another little shout out for NZ Hops and because you guys are working there. But I think more breweries should have hop water as an option, especially with the oils that are out there. Every brewery should have hop water available because yep. you you have people who don't want beer my my wife will go to a brewery with me and she'll have wine but to have an option that's non-alcoholic but still has some beerishness to it um and, and megan like you just said in our culture we just have a beer and then another beer and another beer if we pay attention to the abv that's great but how about having a beer then a hop water then maybe another beer and by then you're like oh i'm full you know uh what a great solution that would be but mm. I digress. Spencer, you were, in, I think you had something you're going to jump in on too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, just the, it, you know, for people that are listening, it's like, we're all trying to find that silver bullet, right? How do you do this? Like Megan, you were saying, you've had people ask you, like, how do you do it? What did you do? You know, I mean, I even recall like when you, when we first connected over our first video conference call, never even have met each other. I put out a post about my, you know, one year alcohol free and, uh, you know, I met a lot of people. I was on a couple of podcasts even for, you know, that kind of post and that journey. But it was like, you know, what, what did you do? How did you do it? You know, and some people follow things, they have certain apps and certain programs and stuff like that. And honestly, like when I told people, I was like, I just, just convinced myself for 16 years that I needed alcohol to be the person that I was, or not just alcohol, but I needed to be consuming beer and partying and doing all that. Now I just need a can you did such a good job all of us any listener that consumes you do such a good job at convincing yourself that you need to go have a drink or need a glass of wine to wind down or have to have a cocktail at that party you just have to retrain your brain you just have to tell yourself and convince yourself the in the opposite direction and it, yes coming from the horse's mouth it seems so oh that's very obvious spencer um, yeah, and, and also, oh yeah, that's super easy, uh, cause it's not, it's not easy. Cause it took me a long time to convince myself otherwise to stop consuming alcohol. And now I always still to this day, always have to convince myself. I'm still retraining the brain and, you know, connecting new synapses in my neural pathways that are, I'm telling it, not just no and slapping its wrist, but more so giving it the answer of why the, why is the sticking point. And for me, the why is deeply rooted in being hungover. And my hangovers, um, ripe young age of 35, were already lasting four, five, six plus days after a heavy night of, like I said, any day that ended in a why, we can party. That's my world you know, cause it was about social consumption. Let's go out, we're having fun, we're with friends, we're with people, we're at a brewery, we're at a cool bar, it doesn't matter, we're outside, we're on a patio. It's like an experience and I just have a joy of loving life and people and stuff and subsequently there was always a beer in my hand. Um, but, but with that, where I was headed is, you know, telling yourself the why and the why for me, at least in, still to this day is, okay, I could go to a brewery, me and Megan go go to a brewery, and we could sit down and I could have a beer. Of course, I could have a beer. But I know that if I have two or three or four tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day after that are not going to be what I want them to be. I'm going to be hungover. I'm not going to feel great. I'm not going to be on the top of my game. I'm not going to be sharp. I'm not going to be focused. I'm going to have a fuzzy you know just a fuzzy sense of centeredness and that's my that's my why i tell myself and retrain my brain that i i need to feel like i am today and not feel like i could tomorrow and like i used to so i i believe in the mirroring effect of you know you do something for so long it's probably going to take the equal and opposite the yin and yang of that so for 16 years i convinced myself that consumption because oh I'm from Wisconsin like I said in the beginning of this intro I'm from Wisconsin what runs through my blood beer and cheese mm-hmm. put cheese aside I still consume that like a champ right but like the beer part of it it's like I'm gonna it's gonna take me 16 years of non-consumption to retrain the brain that I that I, that I, that I that I don't need. Alcohol, like I needed it before. I can still go out and party with the best of them. I'll stay out till two in the morning with everybody that's complete. I mean, I don't enjoy staying out till two in the morning with everybody wasted because I have no intellectual conversations past that point. But you know, I usually leave the party a lot earlier nowadays. But at the end of the day, like I can still hang. I can still dance at a wedding, you know. And <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like it's all about. And once again, this seems so trivial. But I was just in a canoe trip with some friends, and a guy told me that his mentor told him a couple of things. He said, he just said the word choices. Mm-hmm. Right? You have choices in life. And those choices come down, no matter what it is, to knowing your limits. And that's what I didn't know for the longest time. But here's the biggest thing: is most people, and this does tap into a little bit of, you know, the alcohol. Space and consumption and overconsumption and how it can be really the dark side, which is literally like, there's such a stigma around it on both sides. If you don't drink while you're in the industry, then who are you? I don't get that. But yeah. then you have a problem, you have a problem and you're bad and you're almost like, shunned to some degree right like well we know you yeah it's kind of like in the state of minnesota you have whiskey plates if you get a dui you have white plates with black letters with a w in the front well you know that you have a dui if you have whiskey plates is what they're dubbed so it's the same thing while you're you know it's kind of the same juxtaposed idea of being inside the industry or not and i guess for me it just it's just it's just i got to the point where i just didn't want to consume anymore to the degree that I was before. And I didn't want to be hungover. It feels great to not be hungover.
0: <laughs> you, you know, you bring up a really good point about the stories we tell ourselves and identity. And I resisted. I, I've, I've, I fought and resisted getting into the beer industry despite the, the the pool, because I had always identified as I'm an athlete. I am a health, you know, Healthy person. Um, I liked beer. I liked home brewing, but I don't want to become a professional because I'm going to end up becoming a beer bellied over consumer. And and so I I, I fought it. And when I finally realized, no, I, I want to get in the beer industry. This is this is my calling. And, and a, that's a different podcast story. But uh, you know, I wanted to go down the road that I did, but I still identify myself as. I'm a beer educator. I'm an advanced Cicerone. I'm a beer professional. Um, but there's more to me than that. I am a father. I am a husband. My kids are watching my beer choices and my consumption. Um, if I got a DUI, my career would be over. And so, so I, I need to make sure that I, I keep it cool. Um, but I'm still, uh, you know, I, I'm, significantly older but I'm not an athlete anymore but I'm still a swimmer I'm a free diver I'm a this I'm a that I'm not just a beer guy I, I went and had wine on Sunday and it was fantastic I am a guy who loves life I love the the sensory aspects of life I love how these you know being a swimmer and a free diver and a wine lover and a beer professional and a musician and a this and that can help create better relationships and how those relationships can lead to better experiences. So it's not just about the beer. It's not just about the alcohol. It's, it's the story we tell ourselves. How can we, what, what is the end goal? Is your end goal to, to, uh, end up in oblivion and, and hung over for the next few days, or is your goal to end up in a better place than you were today? And maybe, maybe whoever's listening Maybe you can re-identify what your goal is and re-identify who you are. And it's okay to have that duality. I am and I am I'm definitely aging, but I'm still an athlete and I'm a beer professional. And you know what? Those two can coexist together, and it's pretty righteous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's my that's my little soapbox. Um so you you guys kind of alluded to this before, but I want to unpack this a little bit more. Um, since you have stopped drinking alcohol regularly, at least, what have you noticed about your your uh, physical uh, being, your mental, your emotional being? What has changed in your lives?
1: Yeah, I I think I did allude. There's some major physical differences, of course. You know, I going into my late 30s and now early 40s, um, just managing my sort of weight and body fat percentage felt very, very difficult for me to do uh, with the toxicity loads I was carrying from the, my alcohol consumption, which was way above and beyond the recommended limit. Um, so by by changing that, I, I cut my body fat in half. I sit around 17.5% body fat now with really no other changes to my life. I still eat what I wish I, I I exercise moderately. I do yoga and I like to run, um, but that's really it. I mean that I think that you can always. Uh, it, it is a great idea for everybody to attempt what if if you do ask yourself if you've ever asked yourself the question, is alcohol prohibiting me from being who I want to be and the things I can do? This is a great experiment to say, you can you know stop for however whatever disclosed amount of time and make it you know, take some notes about yourself. And for me. That about it takes about 77 to 90 days. I, I think I've read for alcohol to completely detox itself from your body, and you can make a pretty fair evaluation. And you can imagine I was pretty shocked at the 90-day point when I stepped on the scale, took my body fat measurements, and took a picture of myself, which I posted and shared with people. And that ultimately drove my decision to go. Um, the results from that to go to the to the one-year mark.
0: And will you say and, that one yeah. more time? How long does it take for alcohol to completely uh, remove itself?
1: It's about three months. About three months. Yeah, if you really want to go, you know, especially if you've been consuming for a long period of time. And there's more research behind that. I personally used a program. I used a program called One Year No Beer. It's an online program that sort of reinforces. Uh, it, it's a personal development program. So for me, like anything else in life that can have adverse effects, which we talked about, and it could be many things. It's all about developing yourself. And for some people, this might be an area you want to develop yourself. And I found that for me, not only did I experience better physical and mental wellness, but, um, you know, I became, to Spencer's point, more productive. And uh, since then, I, I, I had always wanted to get my master's degree. I'm two semesters away from my MBA. Um, I've right uh, yeah, Thank you. I have a consulting business now. I I created a, an organization called, uh, well, I had a consulting company called Hop Forward, but I had the energy then to begin to give back to people. You know, I, I also work in the cannabis industry now and do consulting for the brewing industry. Um, so I'm making cannabis infused beers. And, uh, but from a giving back perspective, I had so much more capacity because I could understand what it was like to be in this industry and have challenges and, and be suffering. So personally, uh, using that zero proof space I uh created a platform to teach meditation to women uh survivors of the Me Too movement that may that may have you know issues not not even related to their own alcohol consumption but I had I I'd question whether I would have the capacity or the desire to go above and beyond and do those extra things to serve the industry that I love so much had I not made these lifestyle changes and to begin to develop myself as a human being. So yeah, I I think for me, it's been it's been an incredible journey. I don't regret one day in the alcohol industry, uh, but I'm very, very grateful and conscious of the day that I uh, made this decision for myself. Uh, And I think there's a lot of ways to integrate it into your life in a way that makes sense and to to get the benefits of that.
0: I'm sorry. That's uh, just rad. That's just rad. Megan, thank you for sharing that.
2: Megan, what was the, uh, you just told me the other week you went to your practitioner or something like that and they told you something about, you know, your body composition and like the, the, something about alcohol and like maybe it looks as if you've never drank it before or something like What yeah. was Yeah,
1: oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, so I did start to see a functional uh, medicine practitioner and I had them run some blood work on me because I'm coming up on three years and I cried when he told me that there was no evidence I'd ever been a drinker. When for wow. I had had you know really 20, 20 years of what I would consider moderate to very heavy alcohol use depending on the year um, and it was a, it was a really nice feeling that you know my liver didn't present any abnormalities and that I think anybody who's drank more than the recommended amount for an extended period of time wonders like, man, can I recover from this? Can I ever be better? Physically than I was before and I think the evident the river the liver is a tremendous organ We should all be grateful for it from beer You know, there's so many jokes about us being, you know thankful for our liver or punishing our liver But yeah. it really is an it really is an amazing organ. It can regenerate itself And so for anyone out there that you know, maybe in a situation like I just described just know that like, you know If you do decide that or if you just want to clean that up in your life your liver will Regenerate itself and during any time you take to, to nurture it. So I thought that was pretty pretty incredible. Thank you Thank you for saying that
0: Spencer. Well, and there's another little uh, thing about the identifying ourselves is like, well, I've already messed up. I might as well just keep on messing up. No. It, 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 this goes to me, you know, if you're drinking a beer and it tastes bad, stop. If you're drinking a beer and it tastes good, great. Keep on going. But, you know, just because you've had a bad beer or you've had a bad experience or you've made some bad decisions, mm. just stop. And make better ones, um, and and that sounds easier, and it certainly is uh, sounds easier than it really really is. But just because you have fallen down doesn't mean you can't get back up. Um, it's funny
2: you say that, because like literally, it, we say, you know, the, the tried and true saying of it's easier said than done. Yeah. I have a different perspective on that. For anything in life, it's easier done than said. Because guess what? Your excuses that you make are what you say Absolutely. all the time. Absolutely doing is actually easier but we tend to not more often than not so it's just a shift it's just a perspective shift that the vibrational thoughts that come out of our mind and affect our mental emotional and physical bodies it's 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 all it's I don't know. I, I, I could go on and
0: on about that, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we, we may have to, uh, next time we all are in the same room, we may have to pull out some hop waters and and dive into that on our own. Cause I think I could go into that for a long time as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what were, and, and, and so I'm going to ask you to be real quick on this one, but what were some of the um, uh, things that you've noticed? I mean, obviously, Weight is a, is a sign of overconsumption, but what did you f- uh, feel uh, mentally, physically, emotionally uh, as a result of just drinking all the time?
2: Uh, I mean, honestly, myself, I'd never, I used the word, I'd never felt more alive in my entire life. Like, the, honestly, the clarity I had, I remember walking out of my apartment and walking to my Jeep and being like, previous to, you know, pausing on the alcohol consumption. And I was getting to the point where like the world was fuzzy and almost foggy. And just like, I just didn't have sharp clarity that I knew that I used to have in my life. And it didn't take, but yeah, uh, a couple months. And then definitely after the first full year of being alcohol-free, living an alcohol-free lifestyle, I just, it just, I felt so alive honestly I went on I went on in that first year period like I talk about things like it wasn't about the elimination of alcohols and about the additions of all these other things I went on a 31 day road trip living out of my Jeep Wrangler out west uh, western United States 12 states nine national parks 6700 miles on the Wrangler living in mountain passes um, working from anywhere I mean I had my independent marketing and creative consulting business and I was landing clients and working on work, coffee shops, spots. I could get any, you know, hotspot or whatever. Um, I was in your neck of the woods, Jeremy up in yeah. uh, sunbeam. I was at Stanley, Idaho and I was, you know, just camping in the mountains and then coming down and going to, you know, Stanley or Boise and like catching hotspots, drinking or, you know, hanging out at coffee shops and whatnot. But like just the mental clarity and the, just my body just started to feel so, so good. In something that, like, you thought you felt good, you know, but, like, you really didn't feel as good as you could. And there's, I refer it back to, like, there's an inner child in all of us, right? We're all just trying to save that little kid um, yeah. from all of the things that we do, no matter what it is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, just, just trying to get back to being that little kid again, right? Exploring life in ways that is just so childlike in a way that. We don't and we forget to do as adults, you know, become so overly consumed with our roles and responsibilities in life that we forget to enjoy the little things that we used to, whether consciously or, you know, subconsciously when we were younger. You just got to have fun. You got to have a good time. And, you know, a fun and a good time seems like it would be so focused on alcohol. But I think that's something Megan and I talked about not too long ago was like, think about how many people actually don't drink in the world versus how many actually do? So us consumers of alcohol, we get so inside of that, and we're led to believe that that's all there is when really, there's so many more people that don't actually consume that do, yeah, now we're just part of that circle.
0: well, and, <laughs> and you bring up something that uh, that I keep on thinking about, and when I look at all the beer, social media. Um, whether it's uh, branding or marketing or the influencers or just people on Instagram, they're like, "Hey, check it out! I've got another beer." There is a, a focus on more, more, more. I mean, uh, you know, other societies around the world are very, very different, but the American society, uh, the American culture, tends to go big or go home, right? And mm-hmm. and that seems to be the 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 same thing when it comes to just beer and consumption and and you know granted I, I'm I am sound very hypocritical because I have definitely fallen down but I, every time I pick myself back up and I'm gonna hold to this is it it really ought to be about the quality of the beer not the quantity of the beer and. And to have a good time, I mean, you know, it wasn't. It, it seems a lifetime ago that I was an athlete, but I remember. I remember how it felt to be just. In, in the best shape of your life, I remember how it felt to have that athletic mojo and that swagger. And you just walk down the road just knowing, like, I can do things that you can't, you know, and you have that kind of cockiness about you, but it's, but if it's channeled in the right way, then it's awesome. And, and beer occurred during those times, but it wasn't the focal point. I think beer is an incredible tool, but we have to be careful that it doesn't become the focal point. It doesn't have to be the centerpiece. It can have a little bit of beer and some great food and have that quality, not the quantity, but mm-hmm. let the music take over. Let the conversation take over. Let the, you know, take a picnic in a, in a beer out to this beautiful spot by the river in the middle of the mountains and the forest or in the middle of the ocean or whatever it is. And let that be the focal point and beer and great food are really fantastic being the accents mm. to that experience. Mm-hmm. And and I mess this up all the time. I, I put that in the forefront, but we got to remember to remember they're just an adjunct to our life. And Spencer, I think you, you worded that wonderfully. Megan, what do you have to think, or what do you have to say about all that?
1: Yeah, I love just, that's beautiful. And it's all about integration, right? So just to bring it back to beer, cause this is a beer focused show. I yeah. mean, friends, everyone listening, Go get some athletic brewing company beer. Go get some untitled art. Go taste these products that alcohol is one ingredient of beer, right? So it was a naturally occurring phenomenon historically that ended up playing a great role in the health and well-being of society as we modernize. And now it's just no longer needed in those quantities. So have a beer with a half a percent alcohol in it. It's just as good. And quite frankly, Heineken Zero is really fun to crack at nine in the morning and put in front of my computer when I'm in a meeting with colleagues, right? Because I do love beer. I never stopped loving beer. I want it, I it was about the integration and the appreciation that occurs when you know, when the, the amount of alcohol in your regular day-to-day routine is reduced. It doesn't mean you have to stop drinking high quality beer that you like. It's it's really just the shift of the ingredients and then just noting to yourself what happens from a clarity and appreciation and integration perspective when you make that change. And I, I agree that that's an opportunity in American culture, but uh, by no means uh, America is trendy and we r- non-alcoholic beer Zero Proof is trending right now. It's the yeah. fastest growing product in this space and you know to a certain degree hops are such a quality ingredient in that obviously i'm bringing that into the cannabis space right now and i'm very actively looking to say what is the future of beer when when alcohol doesn't have to be the main ingredient especially if you're looking for a psychoactive effect but you want something that's still social and still helpful and still mindful so i'm excited for the future i hope that if you haven't if you're out there and you haven't tried non-alcoholic beer because the last time you did all you could find was oduls and all you could yeah. find, you know, which are still great by their own right, but now you can drink yeah. IPAs, you can drink, you know, stouts and porters and, and you can bring, I still can, I don't have to let go of all the all of the knowledge and all the wonder peop- wonderful people that I encountered and the history of beer and brewing that I, that I love so much because that they all exist in these other formats now. So it's a really, really exciting time to be zero proof in this space. And I'm grateful for that.
0: Well, and being a Cicerone and being a beer nerd, I want to add a little context to this because, you know, we, we can get a non alcoholic IPA and we'll drink it and think, this doesn't taste like a regular IPA. Well, that's because it's not. And you, you know mm-hmm. what else does not taste like an IPA? A lager. But you still drink those. So let's, let's. Break that out of the context yes. into what it what it's supposed to be, and and realize that yes. this is something different. This is about the flavor. You, you uh, I mean, gluten free beers are amazing, and I'm not gluten free. I love gluten, but gluten free beers offer flavors that you can't get in other beers, mm-hmm. and and they are a fantastic tool to put in your toolbox when it comes to flavor. Same mm-hmm. thing with non alcoholic beers, and you know what? Whenever, whenever I'm with my family, uh, and I'm around water, I'm around the kids, and you know, and you know, everyone else is drinking their silver bullets, A.K.A. Coors Light. You know, I can grab a non-alcoholic beer. I'm getting that flavor fix that I want. But you know what? Lifeguard is still on duty, and everything is cool, right? So that's that's my little. Uh, I've had several soapboxes on this, and I try not to do that, but this one, you know, just happened. So we're good. But, um, but that being said, a question I want to ask you guys, and and I forgive me, we are running long on this, so I hope that's cool, but this is an important topic. Um, uh, you know, i I applaud what you guys have done. um, and part of me is envious of what you guys have done, but I am not ready, and and I'll be honest, I'm not interested in completely going without alcohol. and And there may be other people who are listening to this who are thinking the same thing. So for those people, I wanna know what your thoughts are on how to how to go all in without going all in to this. What are what are you what's your advice on on reducing alcohol? And I think we just kinda of talked about a few, but
2: well from my perspective it's and I think Megan definitely shares this with me, is it's the re stigmatization. At least from me personally. When I talk to people about my journey consuming and or over consuming <clears throat> has been so you know stigmatized right that you know if you don't consume it doesn't you know how are you ever going to do your job correctly or how are you ever going to be in this industry or whatever what, what have you now that i you know i've chosen not to consume i don't re- re-stigmatize back i i don't say well look at you consuming or why you know look at you who jeremy you're fine you don't Overindulged to maybe some degree, but also you're not looking to necessarily not consume at all at the zero level. You're gonna find your own moderation, or maybe you've already done that in your journey. That's okay too. Everyone's journey is different. You know, Megan used um what zero um zero beer. What is it called? The app oh, um, one, one year one no year beer. No, yeah. One year no beer, right? And I didn't. I didn't have anything that assisted me in a journey. It was just all self, you know. Integrated,
0: you had a trip out west.
2: (laughs) Uh, uh, There were many things they did, it wasn't just the elimination of alcohol. Yes, there's a lot of yoga practice and there was a lot of meditation, um, what have you, getting out of the corporate industry as well as a corporate job, stuff like that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's, there are those stigmas. And for me, like Megan said it earlier, I don't have any regrets, I don't have any regrets about all the time that I consumed and all the hangovers that I've had and everything that I've done because in order to be the person that I am today, I needed to do and discover all of who I was then to be the human I am now. And same thing for anybody that's listening, right? If you're not ready to dive in, that's okay. You don't have to 100% go the way of the Megans and Spencers of the world. We found it in ourselves that we had to go that way in order to be the us that we are now. So, as Jeremy is, Jeremy's okay with the, the human he is now and the way that he consumes or doesn't consume. But because Megan and I are advocates of flavor, fresh quality flavor, and those that are listening that love the same thing in the alcoholic beer space, you, there are so many choices, right? It's not just the Sharps and O'Douls anymore. And like Megan said, those are amazing in their own right. However, now we have so many more choices and it's just like in the regular beer space, there's a spectrum there are ones that you will taste and you will go yeah they miss the mark Mm -hmm. and there are others you will taste and go wow that is that juicy ipa by untitled art is so close to what i know and remember and love however because of the sensory and i'm talking to two sensory nerds and i can say that because i know you well enough that like you both know to that regard there is not the ethanol in there that it needs to mm-hmm. get to what we know and love, like a six and a half percent juicy IPA. However, for those flavor explorers that are listening to this podcast that want to be the Jeremy of the world that, you know, you want to have one, you know, your limit, you you know, your choices, but yet you don't want to go zero. That's okay. You don't have to, but I challenge you to go out and seek out and try. I mean, I know Megan can contest. I've and her probably combined have tried in the last few years, 200 plus different non-alcoholic beverages in all categories of beer, spirit, wine. I mean, Megan's a sucker for a good age cellar wine. I mean, let's be, I mean, if you guys, if everyone on this podcast can see her, she's shaking her head.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyways, I, I, I challenge everyone that's listening. If you know your limits and you make those choices in your life and you found that equilibrium go into the NA space because there are some amazing things yeah. happening, not only for yourself and the flavor exploration, but also from a consumer perspective and just a an beverage industry growth perspective and know like what megan was saying before offering those choices up i mean yeah is it a bummer when i go to a, a beer or, or a brewery or a bar or a restaurant or whatever and they don't have anything in a and i do have to resort to you know my juice box yeah okay i'll have a glass of water but if i can i'm searching for the flavor that's what i want and i know there are tons of listeners that are you know in the beer industry that that's why you that's why you consume it too because you are after that delicious quality flavor
0: yeah and, and you know, we certainly have all had an N.A. beer that, uh, you know, just kind of missed the mark. I don't love this. I'm not going to drink this again. But I have been wonderfully surprised, you know, and I'll even call him out. Um, you know, I, I talked to Dr. Keith Via from uh, Seria Brewing, uh, his N.A. beers, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I could drink those all day long. Some of the NA beers from Deschutes, I could drink those all day long. Some of the NA beers I've had from Athletic, I could drink those all day long and not miss a thing and, yeah. and enjoy every minute of it. Um, and, and that's, and that's, that's great. I know so, so there are I know, options I, are out there. Yeah, I know Keith, I know Dr.
2: Via Keith, he talks about, you know, the, um, Oh, God, what's a good word for it? It's like you're just uh, splitting them up, essentially, right? You know, he he's still a sucker for a good double IPA. It's his favorite style. Yeah, yeah. But he can't have five of those. He's not even going to have two of those. He's going to have one of those, and he's going he's gonna to have one of his grain weaves, you know? Yeah. Or yeah, Indie Weave, you know, Indie Weave. It's just like that, that's, uh, you know, it's it's – so that's another one for the challenge. It's like when you're out and you're at your next wedding event that you're at, you know, have that – have that delicious West Coast IPA that's on tap and then grab that, you know, Wild Ride IPA by Athletic Brewing Company out of the can of pour it in a glass and and trade off. Go yeah. back to back on them, you yeah. know. It'll save your headache in the morning, I well, guarantee.
0: In a previous <laughs> podcast, I, I got to talk to the Master Cicero and Joe Vogelbacher, and he talked about how he limits himself to 14 beers a week. So I had an average of two a day. But if I were on vacation, if I were... Um, off, kind of where I did want to overconsume. Uh, if I wanted to have four beers a day, well, adding those NA beers to the mix could still keep me in that fourteen beers a week, two beers a day thing. But but you know I, I, I'm drinking all day, so it, it's kind of like you, if you have to fool your brain, <laughs> the NAs are kind of working. Um, so uh, so for the sake of time, because we are running long, I do want to start down our wind-down questions. And I am now going to anoint you as the uh, royal king and queen of the beer world for a day. So, uh, Your Highnesses, what is the first thing you would change in the beer industry?
1: Um, for me personally, I would make uh, non-alcoholic options of every flagship available so that you could have that experience. Yep.
0: And, uh, your, uh, other Royal Highness, what would, what would be your first, uh, order? Uh,
2: My first order would be to, to, oh, however you could do it because the sky's the limit. But
0: you have people for that. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I wave
2: my my magic wand and the stigmatization of consumption and non-consumption would be completely eliminated. And that's not just because of this conversation, but because of this conversation, it's the easiest thing for me to bring forth.
0: Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Um, So part of your royal duties uh, or your royal benefits, you too get to fly anywhere in the world independent of each other. So it could be totally different. You could fly anywhere in the world to have a meal and any, any beer of your choice, alcohol or none. What, what would you choose? I think I I stumped you guys with that one.
1: Well, I mean, for me personally, um, there's nothing better than a, a sunset on the beach with some mountains. So I'd probably pick a fresh grilled seafood dinner in Hawaii paired with, um, maybe some of Dr. Keith Via's beers. He, he did after all create one of the greatest Belgian white beers ever made. Yeah. And he has been so kind to impart a non-alcoholic version for us with some of the greatest innovation that he, he created. So I'd be, I, I would take that, uh, take that with me and, and have that available. And there's nothing, there, there's something to be said about, uh, enjoying the scenery around you. And that's something that I think for me personally was the greatest part of my transformation is I always saw the beer and the food, but I missed everything else. Yeah. And uh, that set and setting plays such an important part of that. And I'd want my favorite people with me to, to celebrate that opportunity. So yeah, that, that would be, that would be how I'd wave my wand and who doesn't want to go to
0: Hawaii. I know. Well, I, I'd say mm-hmm. aloha to you. Uh, how about you, Spencer?
2: Uh, I've never been across the pond, so I'd like to go to Belgium and have some Cezanne du Pont. And um, just fresh. Uh, clearly, we're talking about non-alcoholic here, but I'm definitely going the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever is the, the local uh, local special of the day, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm all about all sensory. So I'm asking the people when I get there, what it is that I should be eating and drinking. What a,
0: what a wise and benevolent King. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, how, how do you guys define good beer?
1: Uh, yeah, it, you know, for me, it kind of starts with, uh, what is the benchmark for that style in terms of quality? Um, so it comes from, you know, have you, the tenants have been laid for what makes a good beer and we've been studying this for, for you know, hundreds of years, and if anyone has been through BJCP or certified Cicero, and we know what the benchmarks are for that for yeah. that style. So to me, it starts: is this a true representation of what a fresh product should look like? There's no there's no obvious faults in this in this beer, and uh, is there anything unique about it uh, about that profile that uh, makes it outstanding in its own right? And that usually comes down to the ingredient selection. Uh, Where are you sourcing your ingredients from and and the process that you use? So for me, bringing all those things together and and giving an overall evaluation and impression of that from a, a sensory and drinkability and stylistic comparison is what makes beer fantastic and memorable and great.
0: Awesome. How about you, Spencer?
2: Yeah, I have two sides to it for me. One is good beer is first and foremost determined by the scientist, you know, that brewer, right? Their goal should not be to put that on the consumer to tell you what is good and what is not good in their world, right? So they should be producing quality product to all the things from a sensory perspective to a scientific perspective, um, getting very granular with it. Um, But then on the flip side, good beer from a consumer's perspective for me is all about experience and all about environment. So a good beer could be the silver bullet, the Coors Light, when you're floating down a river and having a, you know, 75 degree sunny day, that's a good beer, but at the same time for a consumer, it's a good beer. When you're, you know, at a campfire and having a nice Amber or it's a cool winter day and you're, you know, having a stout with friends outside, you know, on a patio with some heat lamps. I don't know. That's the sensory experience. That's where good, good beer matters because I'll plug it, right, Jeremy?
0: Yeah. Good beer
2: matters in so many different ways to so many different people, and I think there's two spaces it can be, one at the brewer level and two at the consumer level.
0: Nice. Um, If anyone is kind of inspired by this talk and wants to either connect or find some other resources or learn more from what you guys are doing, where would you send them? How could they connect?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, honestly, just find Spencer Plusle. Um, I have a website, spencerplussell.com. My email is me, M-E, at spencerplussell.com as well. And my last name is P-L-O-E-S-S-L. So just find me on LinkedIn. I'm connected with Jeremy and Megan. Super easy. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for asking. So I would refer people uh, at this stage in the game. Like I said, I'm consulting in the brewing industry. Uh, for hop, my, my company is called Hop Forward Consulting. H-O-P. So just all about the hops still uh, and connecting that into my work. And you can learn more about my program there, uh, Transcending Trauma, which is offering transcendental meditation training to survivors of the Me Too movement in the brewing industry. We have a donation button there. Uh, you can share that with your friends if you're interested in learning other, uh, other aspects of uh, well-being and social sustainability—you can find that there. So Hop Forward Consulting. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, and LinkedIn, and you can find me Megan Anderson there through those through those sites and connect with me in a variety of ways.
0: Awesome, thank you, very, uh, very much. Uh, one question I I uh, ironically uh, skipped over um, before we kind of finish this off is uh, in in your estimation, in your experience, in your thought process, why does good beer matter so much?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at that one. We'll let Spencer hit it out of the park for the close. But uh, good, good beer matters because good beer uh, plays an integral role in our humanity. Alcohol or no alcohol, you know, beer is one of the most important beverages ever discovered and scaled by human beings and played an incredibly important role in who we are and who we became. Alcohol now is an optional ingredient. So you know, but the beer—it's the, the styles that evolve from it, the regionality, the history. The, it's it's a form of storytelling, and storytelling is how we connect and how we uh, how we are, how we are as humans that makes us uniquely human. No matter what culture you're from, we can share something in the history of that uh, in in a glass of beer. So to me, uh, that's what makes it good—is the the aspect of of the history and. Uh, our social nature as human beings that kind of pulls us together. And beer is a thread
2: that we can that we can follow.
0: I don't know. That was a pretty good answer. Spencer, how are you feeling about knocking out of the park now?
2: I'm just going to string right along through on that one and just add one word to it is good beer matters because it builds community. And that's how communities in many places around the world are were built. And civilizations civilizations have been built as on community of people. And those communities are full of storytelling, right? humans that have stories that come together in like-minded situations and you know just building a community of like-minded individuals and like megan said alcohol or no alcohol beer is a purveyor in community building the local watering hole now and in the future even more so will have options for those that uh are like people me and megan and even further under the spectrum that might be able to consume but not have the triggers that they've had before with the beverage with alcohol in
0: it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom or any calls to action for anyone listening before we before we close out?
1: No, but best of luck to all of you in your own journey. Because you know, beca- be, being in the space or a fan of beer, you know, I think we all we all have those moments where we ask ourselves like is what we're doing the best for us. And I think Spencer and I have one story to tell and all of you do as well. So if you ever need anything, we're all here for each other. And uh, it's a, it just, we're so lucky to live in a time when uh, non-alcoholic beer and beverages is, is uh, developing at a, a very fast rate and clip. And I'm excited to be part of that wave and invite anybody else who's curious to join along and learn more.
2: Yeah, 100%. Life is about choices and you get to make those. It's very individualized. You can ask me all day how I did it and how Megan did it. what what we do, how you can do it. But at the end of the day, it's you. It's what you want to do. And that's the choice that you get to make. So you can choose whether you want to continue consuming in a way you have. Find a happy medium like Jeremy. Find a different medium like Megan and I. Megan and I's journeys are completely separate from each other. But yet we've come together because we have a like-minded mindset that we've shifted from what we had before. So... Best of luck to you in your journey,
0: as Megan said. Awesome, and I, I'm so glad that I met you guys, and I'm so grateful for the work you're doing, but also the 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 kind of the beyond the beer story that you're willing to tell uh, in this regard. And I'm 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 so grateful that you guys came on to share this because this is not. A topic that occurs in breweries and beer conferences, but it's a conversation that needs to occur in these places. And and Spencer, you called it out. This is a community. If it really is a community, if we are truly building good relationships through this beverage as a medium, then we have to be there when, when the days are a little bit darker. We have to be there when things don't go perfectly. Um, and that may or may not include alcohol. So Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for kind of helping bring people together in an even deeper way. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks to
1: you, Jeremy. Appreciate it, cheers.
0: Yeah, cheers. I'm not a fan of diets, dry January's, or anything based on pure abstinence. I prefer a life of joy and celebration balanced by good habits and healthy lifestyles. But I ask you to take an honest look at your relationship with alcohol. If you're in the beer industry, we want and need you to be healthy so beer can be nothing less than great. In the next episode, we bring our love of beer back to the place where it began for many of us, back home. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together. But it's also about better beer education so you can level up your game. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters Podcast and go to goodbeermatters.net for more resources and next steps. After that, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers.